This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. This is the Cactus League Report on 710 ESPN Seattle, 710sports.com, and mariners.com. Taking you inside Mariners Spring Training, live from the Salty Senorita in Peoria, Arizona, here's your host, the voice of the Mariners, Rick Riz. And yes, indeed, before a cheering cast of thousands, and there they are in force tonight on a beautiful Wednesday night here in Peoria, Arizona. Welcome. We are live from the Salty Senorita, and welcome to our final edition of the Cactus League Report. I'm Rick Riz, along with Shannon Dreyer. Ryan Roland-Smith is joining us as well. How about a nice round of applause? And also producer-engineer Kevin Kremen. Just flew in from Seattle. How about a nice round of applause for Kevin? He's a brand-new grandfather. His beautiful daughter, Colleen, giving birth just two days ago. Beautiful little baby girl, Lillian Hayes-Farrell. Congratulations, Colleen, and congratulations to Kevin and his wife, uh, Margaret, grandparents, for the first time. So welcome, everybody. A lot to talk about as we wind down spring training for 2017. It's been a great spring. The Mariners have a day off tomorrow. They had a 3-3 tie Today with the Los Angeles Dodgers, only two games left. Can you believe it? Here in the Cactus League season, Shannon, it's really gone by fast. We have a great lineup of guests. We're going to visit with Andy McKay, who's our director of player development. Back in the old days, we called him a farm director. This is one of the most important jobs in all of baseball. We're going to visit with Andy McKay here in just a second. Also, Dan Altavilla is going to join us as well. And Mr. Mariner, Dave Niehaus called him Mr. Mariner. Alvin Davis is going to be here tonight as well. Leonis Martin will be here on the second hour of the show, and we'll have uh, interviews with uh, Robbie Cano and also Nelson Cruz. So a big lineup tonight, final Cactus League report of the season. But, Shannon, uh, heck of a ball game today. But overall, it has been a really good spring for this organization. It really has. It's been a very different spring in that you had guys gone for the WBC. It's been interesting in watching uh, what year two of the Scott Service and, and thankfully the same staff, plus one, in Scott Brocious were able to do with that year under their belt. And then just kind of looking at the guys who were there last year coming back and just determined. Uh, they took what happened at the end. They took coming up just short and really put it into what they're doing right now. They all to a man talk about doing just a little bit more so they're in a better position at the end of the season. Whatever it takes is the slogan, and everybody's talking about that right now. But you really get a sense walking around right now that they're ready to go. They've had enough. Enough, yeah. you know, they like the sunshine. Yeah, it's time to leave they town. They wouldn't mind playing with the roof closed and some rain in Seattle right now. And we're just five days away from the opener in Houston against the Astros on April the 3rd. We bring in Ryan Roland-Smith. And, Ryan, you've been here helping us out on radio and on television and the few days you've been here what have you seen from this ball club especially a lot of young players getting a chance to open up some eyes from an Andy McKay from Scott Service and Jerry DePoto yeah they got that chance you know obviously with the, the World Baseball Classic and guys taking off so you know some of the younger guys got a bigger chance to you know be in front of the staff and everything else but I came right at the right time this is the time where everyone's got that energy and that focus on opening day and the, the dog days of spring training are over and, you know, they're ready to get going. You, you can just tell that walking in that locker room, everyone's bags are packed and ready to get going. 
And uh, it's been a fun spring, and it's going to continue for a few more days. Let's bring in uh, a gentleman who has one of the most important jobs, I think, in any organization, the Director of Player Development. Andy McKay took over a year ago, and this organization in the minor leagues did something that just doesn't happen in the minor leagues. All seven minor league clubs made it to the playoffs last year with two teams winning it all. Andy McKay, thanks for joining us here live from the Salty Senorita, buddy. Yeah, thanks for having me. I've never been here before. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. Before I cherry cast a thousands and a chance to see you in person. How, how does that happen? Because it doesn't happen very often when you're in charge of, of so many minor league players. Okay, we're going to put this guy at Everett and a couple of A teams, AA and AAA. What, how did you look at the success in the minor leagues last year, and how did that happen? The success... There's a lot of different ways you look at it and a lot, a lot of different ways you measure the success. The, the playoffs have gotten a lot of attention, and I think rightfully so, and that's great. But that's certainly nothing that you can set out and prepare for and say we're going to have all of our teams make the playoffs. Um, I, I hate to say it, and people don't like hearing but there's an element of luck when things like that line up. Uh, I, I think uh, getting one team into the postseason requires some element of luck. Uh, trying to get seven is something that may never happen again. So I'm, I'm, I am proud of it, and I enjoyed it, but it, it's over. But I, I think the other part of the, the success that, you know, we measure is just did the players get better? And, and we feel like they did, and, and most importantly, our players that went up to the big leagues were able to help Scott and, and contribute uh, in different ways. And then ultimately, we also, uh, a lot of our players were able to, to create flexibility for Jerry to make trades. So I think all of those things kind of go into how you measure how successful we were or we were not on any particular year. When a guy gets from be it AAA or sometimes they jump from AA and say they've been in the Mariners system for a while at that point, what do you want them to be when they get to the big leagues? How do you identify them as, as a Mariner player when they get to the big leagues? That's a great question. I, I think number one is that they're physically prepared and they have a skill set that will allow them to be successful at the major league level. And more importantly, that they know how to win baseball games, that they have uh, an ability to put their, uh, I guess, kind of their individual agenda behind the team agenda, and that they can put on that uniform, be one of 25 guys, and really measure uh, their efforts on the day as did they help Seattle win a baseball game. And so we're really trying to create a, a winning environment, a winning spirit, and a team-first environment that hopefully begins the Dominican Republic and that when a player does get to Seattle and he puts on the uniform, he understands that there's really only one thing that matters for that particular night, and that is, did we win the game? What's the biggest challenge to teaching that? Because traditionally I think a player is like, well, if I hit 20 bombs at this level, they're going to move me up, where you might be focusing more on did you get the runner in from third. How do you sell that to them? Very carefully. <laughs> <laughs> and it's a challenge, and you have to put yourself in those players' shoes. and. You know, they're trying to realize their dream, and there's, uh, there's such a mountain ahead of them to climb, and it would only make sense that, that you would try to think about taking care of yourself. But we were able to show them last night, and this is something I've always believed, this is something I've taught for a long time, which is you know, the best version of you as a baseball player is only going to surface when you're trying to help your team win. And playing selfishly does not help you. And we've seen that over and over again. And uh, it, it takes an element of risk on that player's part. It takes an element of trust. But... I think this year going into year two, you know, we've built up a lot of credibility with these players, and they saw that you know, by really focusing on helping the, the, the team, that individually they did quite well. So we have a little bit of uh, credibility built up. How much does it help to see <clears throat> a Robinson Cano 
first game back, hit a ground ball to the right side to get Hanniger from second to third to see Cano do that, and then the young players have to go, wow, that's the way you play the game. Yeah, I, I mean, you know, Greg Popovich used to talk about it all the time of, you know, he, he was blessed to coach superstars who'd gotten over themselves, and, you know, the, I think the greatest gift any manager can get is a, is a superstar that will put the team first. And, you know, when, and we have those kind of players, whether it's Robbie in that particular situation or, or Nelson Cruz. You know, when Nelson Cruz takes time out of his offseason to drive, you know, uh, to the south part of the island of the Dominican to talk to our, our players down in the academy and talk to them about what it means to be a Mariner, uh, it says a lot. And when you look at these organizations that are, um, that are really playing well or, or have some type of continuity, you know, what, what is Hunter Pence worth to the San Francisco Giants? You know, I don't know how to measure that exactly, but I do know it's there, yeah. and I think all great teams have that. And so as a minor league director, when you can showcase your own players doing those little things, it goes a long way, and it's uh, it's a huge asset for our organization to have those kind of guys up in the big leagues right now. And you've got a question on the, on the pitching side and developing pitches. You know, velocities, guys are throwing harder than they ever have now. Guys are hit, you know, So many guys are throwing 100 miles per hour these days. How do you guys develop velocity? And you, know, you hear a lot about weighted ball programs and things like that. What, the, do the Mariners, yeah. what's, what's your feelings when it comes to things like weighted ball programs and things like that? You know, we, um, we have a lot of experience in that. I, at Sacramento City College, we were throwing weighted balls in the year 2000. And baseball can be very quick, I mean, excuse me, very slow to change. You know, we, we talk about analytics like it's new. And, and people forget that, you know, the movie Moneyball came out almost 20 years ago. And, and we're still talking like it's an emerging science. But weighted baseballs have really been around for a long time. Uh, and there is a lot of science behind it. Uh, we have some players that have taken advantage of it, um, and, and that numbers is growing. Uh, it, it's really infiltrated the college ranks and the amateur ranks, and you'll continue to see more and more uh, major league players and professional players utilize not only weighted baseballs but weighted bats. And... You know, there's enough science there to show that you're not really putting your arm at risk by doing that, and you have potential for some huge velocity gains by using those. Vision with Mariners Farm Director Andy McKay here live from the Salty Senorita here in the Cactus League Report. It's always fun, Andy, to watch you guys bring up uh, the minor league kids to play in these big league spring training games. But you also brought in a kid who was in camp, sent down, and came back today, Dylan Unsworth. Young man from South Africa. He was outstanding today. Four scoreless innings, no walks, and he struck out three. So tell me about your scout in South Africa who found this guy. But but tell me, how do you get a kid like, like Dylan Unsworth? I don't know, to be honest with you. I mean, <laughs> Dylan Unsworth was a, was a Mariner long before I was. And, you know, I've heard versions of the story, and it is kind of a long story, but ultimately we do scout all around the world and we found him in a in a international tournament at a very young age and he signed came to our academy in the Dominican Republic and he's really one of the best pitchers we have and you look at what he's done in this camp and I, when I look at Dylan I look at a player that's everything we want a Mariner to be in terms of uh, how he competes how he dedicates himself to the team and, and really how he performs on the field and you've seen it with your own eyes all spring uh, what he did today he's been doing all spring he's really been doing for a few years and pitched great in the fall league last year he would have pitched in um, the futures game uh, he had a hamstring injury that kept him out of that so he's a big part of our plans and 
I'm really grateful that he wears the same uniform that I'm wearing. So whether you're from Richmond, Washington, or South Africa, we're going to find you. Somebody's going to find you if you're good. And this kid is good. Visited with Mariners Farm Director Andy McCabe. We're going to be back with Andy live from the Salty Seniorita tonight on a beautiful Wednesday night here in Peoria. We'll be back with Andy and more right after this timeout. Say, friends, with the Mariners 10-game flex pack, you're going to enjoy the flexibility of picking the games and events you want to see, including opening day on April the 10th. That's the home opener. Make sure you're on hand by picking out your pack today for details Log on to Mariners.com slash Flex. Welcome back. We are live from the Salty Senorita before a cheering cast of thousands. Our last final Cactus League report of the 2017 Cactus League season. I can't believe it. Rick Riz along with Shannon Dre and Ryan Roland-Smith joining us. New grandpa, Kevin Kremen. And our guest is uh, Andy McKay, Mariners Farm Director, Director of Player Development. Andy, you want to talk to me? You're in charge of so many young players and their futures, their hopes and dreams are to get to the big leagues. They start off right down here in the uh, minor league camps at spring training, and off they go to rookie ball and A ball, double A and triple A. But decisions are made along the way. One of the great stories last year was Edwin Diaz. Diaz wasn't even talked about last spring. His name never, ever came up in Scott Service's office. He said that today. But all of a sudden, on May the 10th, somebody looked at him and said, you know what, you're no longer going to be a starter. You're going to relieve. And so he goes to the bullpen. He's about a month there at Double A Jackson. Called up to the big leagues. A few weeks later, he's closing in the major leagues. Was outstanding in the second half of the season with 18 saves. Also last year, Dan Altavilla. First two years in the minor leagues, he's a starter. Last year, you've sent him to the bullpen. Tremendous at Jackson. Called up to the big leagues. He was outstanding when he came up. So my question, Andy, is who's making these decisions on the future of these kids, and those two decisions have really paid dividends. How does that happen down there with these kids like that? Okay. You know, to begin with, it all starts with Jerry Depoto at the top, and he does a tremendous job of, of working slowly, throwing ideas out to the group. He involves everybody and lets everybody have an opinion. But when you talk about decisions that affect the major league roster, they all, be, you know, they all begin with Jerry. And uh, working with Jerry, it's very – it's very rewarding because everybody has a voice and, and everybody gets heard. In those particular instances, when you're talking about you know any player, probably between somewhere between the high A level, which is in Modesto Forest, and our Double A club, which is in, in uh, Little Rock, Arkansas, somewhere around that time in a player's career, you can start start dreaming on what he would look like in the big leagues. What type of role do you start moving guys to different positions? Do you start grooming people to be a utility type player and, and play three or four positions. And when it comes to starting pitchers versus relievers, you're looking at a couple of things. Number one, you're looking at health, uh, their ability to make over 30 starts a year. Will their body hold up? You're looking at what their pitches look like. Do they have a third pitch? And that's a that's a that's not a an absolute criteria, but yeah. to, you know to, to pitch in the major leagues as a starting pitcher, uh, you're going to need more than two pitches. And so sometimes you get players that really have two well above average pitches but struggle to come up with a third, and they fit you know, kind of naturally into a bullpen. But then once you make that decision, you still have to see how their body responds to pitching two, three, four times a week, pitching on back-to-back days. Obviously, the workload is a lot lighter. But you know, some relievers can have workloads up to you know, 70 appearances during a season, and that equates to you know, almost every other day. And will their body, will their arm respond? So... You know, Diaz was kind of the first decision last year. 
and that was driven by kind of everything we talked about. So we put together a script of making the conversion. Number one, does the player want to do it? Does the player mentally respond yeah. to do it? And, you know, with Diaz, it was really interesting because, I, I, you know, I'm, I, would, I wouldn't say that I don't think he could start in the big leagues either. And I, I saw him start in double A. I thought it was outstanding. But the second he walked onto that mound in a closing type of situation, you knew we have something and this is real. He loved it. He loved everything about it. And he felt like he belonged out there. He wanted the ball in his hands. And all, and all those little X factors that you look at for a, for a late inning reliever, he has all of them. And obviously it showed up the second he walked on the, on the field in safe go. And then, uh, you know, Dan was kind of the same thing. That happened earlier. It happened during spring training. But um, it may have taken him a little bit longer to adjust to the role in double A. But once he did, and he made his big league debut in Chicago, and I think everybody felt like he belongs here. How are you going to manage all the depth that you've got? You've got more pitchers than you've got spots in AAA and a lot of guys that uh, potentially could help the big team this year. Yeah, let, let's hope. And I don't think there's a there's a team in baseball that would say I have too much pitching or we have too much pitching. You know, it is the it is the X factor, and it, it's really hard to win without pitching depth. And if you do have it, you generally are, are playing meaningful games at the end of the season. So. Again, uh, Jerry and our baseball operations staff has done a remarkable job of, of acquiring a lot of depth. And uh, when you look through our 40-man roster, and even we've got real high-quality pitching at the upper levels that are, that are not on the 40-man roster. And so we do feel good about our depth. And, and um, I forget the exact numbers, but I think we use 31 pitchers at the major league level. I think you probably know. 13 starters. Yeah, 13 different starting pitchers. I, I believe the average team in the big leagues uses 10.5 starters uh, over the course of the season. So the idea, the idea that you have your five-man rotation and, and that works throughout the season is just not realistic. You're going to need at least 10. And, uh, you know, for us it was more like 13 last year. And did you guys try and instill, you know, we talk, talk about your coaching staffs throughout your minor leagues from, you know, rookie ball all the way up. You guys try and instill some sort of philosophy, whether it be hitting, pitching, something that's, you know, on the same page. I always felt like I'd go to each level and it was like a different way of doing things, yeah. you know. Yeah, we try to avoid that. <laughs> <laughs> but it, but it's a challenge because you're, you're, yeah. you're really, uh, as I explained to all my college buddies, I – I went from coaching one team to kind of coaching seven, yeah. and they're all across the country, and, and you know, in, including the Dominican Republic. So, yeah, we have a very uh, we have a very simple approach. We think it's you know our our playbook is really 15 pages, and that may sound like a lot, but it's really small. Um, I think industry wide, and uh, it, it's by design. But yeah, whether it's pitching or hitting or base running, you know, you're trying to create the sweet spot where you have. Um, you can create an identity of what a Mariner hitter looks like, but you're also trying to create freedom for that individual to be himself and work within the boundaries of that identity that you're creating. And, and that's a challenge. But, you know, obviously when we talk about either pitching or hitting, it really starts with controlling the strike zone. And that's been our mantra from day one, and, and it will continue to be so. You've talked about coaching the coaches is important too. How, how is Yeah, that's the job. And whether you're, you know, if you're a manager, and I've talked, I mean, I've, coaching has kind of been my career. It's been my passion. And anytime you get to talk to a, a head coach, a manager, I know they're called coaches in some sports, managers and others, mm-hmm. I don't think people understand how much managing of your staff is involved and how much coaching of your coach is involved. And in my particular role, that's really what I do is I, is I coach our coaches. And 
we've, we've tried to formalize our staff development programs. And, you know, if you want players to play better, you have to coach better. And our, our coaches understand that, um, you know, really trying to create a growth mindset within our staff, within our department, where, you know, as I tell our guys very frequently, we're doing the best we can today, but let's hope that tomorrow we find a better way. Let's hope that next year, we, you know, we discover a better way to do what we're doing and, and that we can continue to do that. Visiting with Andy McKay, Mariners Farm Director. Andy, you're in charge of so many young players, and uh, I've been very, very impressed with so many in this camp. Uh, Tyler O'Neill, I think, is going to be a heck of a player. Daniel Vogelback, who the Mariners acquired last year from the Chicago Cubs in that deal for Mike Montgomery. And on and on and on. Who, who are some of the young hitters that you have been impressed with in this camp? I think when you say young, I'll start kind of near the bottom with last year's draft class. Um, you know, Donnie Walton, who we acquired from Oklahoma State, I believe, um, has been very impressive. Had a great year last year in Everett, and we'll you know we'll make one of our full season clubs this year. And it's kind of the, um, you know, the all-around, plays defense, run the bases, play hard, uh, swing the bat well. And been very impressed with him. Um, Bryson Brigman out of University of San Diego, another middle infielder that uh, we acquired early in the draft last year. And, you know, Rizzo, who was one of our top picks. Um, another guy who's had a great spring. And obviously our number one pick, um, Kyle Lewis, is still hurt will be active and playing out in one of our affiliates probably by the All-Star break. But all the guys have, have showed up really well and been very impressed with all of them. You, you got so many players in the minor league camp. I got a, it's a little breezy here tonight in PR. The wind has started to kick up visiting with Andy McKay. I've, I've got to ask you, I spent eight years in the minor leagues as a broadcaster. How do you decide who goes where with so many kids? And then there's so much movement up and down. If there's a move from the big league club to AAA, there's that trickle-down effect. Uh, how many meetings do you have to have to, to form the roster for each minor league club? A lot. And, you know, start with it, where the player goes initially is not as hard as, as you may think. It, it's, you know, I spent most of my life in a classroom, and it's like you tell the kids, I don't really give you grades. I just total up your points and assign what you've earned. And this process does kind of mirror that. You know, you, you put the player where they've earned the right to be based on their performance. But it does get awfully tricky um, once you get into the season and once the domino effect can start with injuries or, you know, a player plays his way out of a, out of a um, certain level and you need to promote them. And uh, usually it can go fairly smoothly. You're always working a few steps ahead and you're trying to project things that happen. But there's definitely going to be nights, and we had a handful of them last year, uh, where you can lose five pitchers in a night. And, you know, you know what your night's going to look like. You know what your day's going to look like. And, you know, I can remember last year one situation. I was on the phone with Mike Zanino. He was still in AAA. And we were talking about the AAA All-Star game and kind of the specifics of how that would work. And that was a challenge based on having to fly from Seattle to the East Coast on his off day, play the game, then burn his only off day flying back. And the way our AAA uh, schedule was set up last year, we only had one off day in the second half of the season after the All-Star break, which is incredible to think about. So we're working through all of these situations, and I'm watching our game on TV, and, you know, um, our catcher breaks his hand. And I said, hey, Mike, you watching our game? <laughs> 
He said no, and I said okay. I said well, I'll call yeah. you back in ten minutes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, so obviously those plans change, but um, you make a lot of plans, and many of them just kind of end up in the in the wastebasket because somebody fouls a ball, a ball off their foot, or um, one of those things happen. Yeah. But, well, I'll tell you what, it's been uh, outstanding what you have done last year and will continue to do this year. The farm system has been incredible. Jerry has used it to get guys in the big leagues to use the farm system to trade and get players back in this organization and a lot of them at the big league level. So, Andy, just want to thank you for coming by tonight and spending some time here at the Salty Senior Arena, buddy. It's going to be a fun year. Yeah, thanks for having me. Mariners Farm Director Andy McKay. We will be back here in Peoria, Arizona. The Cactus League Report continues right after this timeout. Say, friends, Ken Griffey Jr.'s new statue will soon be on display out at Safeco Field. You can display your very own replica of the statue at home when you head to the ballpark on Friday, April the 14th. This collectible is free to the first 45,000 fans that night. Be one of them when you pick up tickets at Mariners.com. Mariners get back home on the 10th. They open up on the 3rd of April in Houston. Welcome back to the Cactus League Report. We are live from the Salty Senorita before cheering cast the thousands. Here they are. Last one of the spring. Rick Riz along with Shannon Dreyer, Ryan Roland Smith. And just uh, a minute, we're going to be joined by Leonis Martin. Uh, I tell you what, he's one of the most exciting players, I think, in the game of baseball. Even when he's not on the field, he's just a ball of energy inside the dugout, inside the clubhouse, and this guy just knows how to have fun, Shannon. He does, and Scott Service told a hilarious story this week where Leonis was uh, the DH in one game, and Scott said, never again. If you ever have the opportunity to sit anywhere near the Mariners' dugout, either at home or on the road, I guarantee you will hear Leonis throughout the entire game. He never stops talking. He uh, has funny things that he yells at the umpires. He has different things that he yells on different pitches. And just when he was DHing, he had far too much time on his hands. He had two at-bats. And when he came back from his second at-bat, Scott told him to leave. <laughs> and he said, you're never DHing again. <laughs> Wore everybody out. But that's an energy that um, Scott really appreciates to the point where when Leonis was hurt last year, yeah. they actually traveled him because they felt that there was a huge value of having him on the bench and having that energy. You don't see that very often. Yeah, as a matter of fact, in the game in San Diego where the Mariners were 10 runs down and he was on the DL, he was in the club, in the dugout cheering on everybody. The Mariners came back, won that game. Biggest deficit to come from behind. They won that game, and Leonis Martin was the MVP of the game. He was on the DL. He <laughs> <laughs> was working hard in that game. <laughs> but that's uh, Leonis Martin. What have you seen from this guy, uh, Ryan? Just, well, the, you know, like we're talking about, the energy. I mean, it's such a – take like that phone call. It's, um, <laughs> you know, it's so important, you know, especially for me being a starting pitcher too, having the days around – you know, on the, sitting on the bench, even the days where things aren't going your way, a team's going to have a skid at some point throughout the year, maybe a couple of them. When you've got guys like that on your, on your team, man, it just lifts everyone. It is just a massive asset to have. And, you know, obviously Scott Service said that. But he's just got so much energy. I mean, you need that, especially this time of year and those little dog days of spring training about to hit into that opening day. You need guys in the clubhouse, on the bench, doing, this, doing those things. And I and I like the I love the makeup of the club right now because the speed on the team. Yeah. You have Gerard Dyson in the leadoff spot, who had 30 stolen bases last year in a part-time role with the Kansas City Royals. You have Gene Segura, who had just a huge year last year for the Arizona Diamondbacks at 319, 20 home runs, 64 RBIs, 41 doubles, 203 hits, led the National League. But 
He also had 33 stolen bases, so you got that speed at the top of the order. Then you have Martin hitting ninth with 24 steals last year, and this guy spent two weeks on the DL with a strained hamstring. So the guys in the middle part of the order, they're going to see a lot of fastballs. Yeah, and, you know, it's there's no holes in that lineup whatsoever. This, this offense is way better than what it was last year, and they scored a lot of runs last year. And, you know, today, for example, speaking of Leonis Martin, hits into, hits into a uh, you know, into a ground ball double play, beats it out, right? And that all that does is keep yeah. the inning alive. And last year what the Mariners did, they did such a good job of grinding out at-bats, having those long at-bats and having those long innings. When you have energy at the top and the bottom, that speed, it just it puts so much more pressure on the pitcher, not only, obviously, to make your pitches and, and guys can drop bunts down and everything else, but also, too, it creates those long at-bats. And you see these good starting pitchers out of the game in the fifth or early in the sixth inning, and that just gets into their bullpen, and it just makes such a difference. Let alone the distraction on the bases. Exactly, too. yeah. I love listening to him talk. <laughs> I, I, I just love it. I, Scott in his office has all the Leonis Martin sayings on the whiteboard. He says, you know what? There was about 20 of them. And he said, that's a T-shirt. <laughs> I would buy that T-shirt. That is a T-shirt. You know, you were uh, mentioning the speed aspect of the game a second ago. You can throw Mitch Hanniger into that group, yeah. too. We could see yeah. a lot of stolen bases. I was talking to Casey Candale, first base coach today, about uh, just the potential uh, that the Mariners have on the bases and asked for a couple of lines about each of the guys. And one of the best was Gerard Dyson. He said he flat out uh, outruns the ball. Yeah. The one thing you can't do, he does. He outruns the ball. Yeah. Well, the good center fielders, and we had a pretty good one here uh, with Ken Griffey Jr., who was probably the best uh, in baseball history. The great center fielders, Ryan, and you had Jr. behind you, they have that built-in radar. Yeah. They, they see the swing, they can hear the bat hitting the ball, and they just go to the right spot. Martin yeah. is one of those guys. Yeah, and definitely that first step, you know, the, especially the balls that are hit in front of them, too. It's, it's you know, sometimes, especially here in spring training, it's really tough oh. to judge. And the best center fielders, they can, you know, you can be, have all the speed you want, but it's, it's always that first step, like you said, off, off the crack of the bat, that first step, and just getting, being parked in that, especially Safeco Field, that right center, left center gap. There's a lot of room out there. Mm-hmm. When you've got a guy like Leonis Martinez, man, it shapes points off that ERA if you pitch it. Yeah. We are live from the Salty Senorita here in Peoria, Arizona, the Cactus League Report. We're going to be back with more after this timeout. Hey, it's not too early to lock up your summer outing at Safeco Field. Groups of 20 or more receive great ticket discounts, so round up the neighborhood, the entire neighborhood, and get ready for blue skies and green grass. Select your group dates now at mariners.com slash groups. It's a little cloudy up there, but the sun is on its way. We're going to send it up to Seattle in the Pacific Northwest. Welcome back to the Salty Seniorita before a cheering cast of thousands. It is the Cactus League Report, our final edition of the Cactus League Report. Here in 2017, uh, spring training, winding down, only a couple of games left to go. Off day tomorrow, then two more games with the Rockies. Rick Ray, Shannon Dre, Ryan Roland-Smith, and our very special guest, this young man. We were talking about him a few minutes ago with Andy McKay about the transition he made from a starting pitcher in the minor leagues to a reliever last year, coming up to the big leagues, making his debut against the Chicago White Sox. He's having a great spring. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the show, Dan Altavilla. Danny, it's great to uh, have you here. And, uh, I mean, you do so much for us. You know, you're on the caravan to eastern Washington and all that snow. So thanks for coming by this evening to visit with everyone here at the Salty Senorita. How are things going this spring? You come in today. 
I think back-to-back uh, appearances, you strike out uh, Scott Van Slyke. So how are things going this spring here in 2017 after what you built on last year when you came up in the minor leagues? Uh, things are going well. Um, came in the spring and I just told myself I'm going to come in and throw strikes, and uh, that's what I've been able to do so far. Uh, started off with a rocky outing against Texas, but I think I was a little bit too amped up and excited for just to be here, but um, uh, ever since that, I've been right back to it and throwing strikes and commanding the zone and getting guys out. How different a spring has this been for you? Uh, it's, it's one I won't forget. Um, just so much different than the minor league spring training. Uh, it's more laid back. Uh, guys are great. Just uh, Everyone's excited to be here, and we're excited to get the season going. It was a tough transition. When, you know, when they told you, they, they said, look, we're going to turn you into a bullpen guy. How did you take that? Or did they explain what their, what their idea was? Uh, yeah, they explained that, you know, there's a faster track to the big leagues, and it was kind of in the cards from, you know, the start um, whenever I was drafted. But, you know, they gave me a chance to start and, you know, develop my changeup and all my pitches. But, you know, I think it was a, a great de- uh, decision overall, and, you know, I'm glad that we made that change in spring last year. So, uh, you know, it's been great so far. And did that change your approach too? I mean, you know, your velocity started ticking up, and did you start changing the way you face hitters? Right, yeah, I just uh, I didn't have to feel for anything. I just came in and went straight to the fastball and slider, and um, I didn't really have to use that changeup as much. I think I only threw one last year. So, Visiting with Mariner reliever Dan Altavilla, we also want to welcome to the show. Danny, don't go away. We've got a long time to visit with you. Mariner center fielder Leonis Martin is here, everybody. Welcome, Leonis. Thanks for coming by. Are these the dog days of March right now? How ready are you and this ball club to get started here in the next uh, few days to break camp and have the games count starting on April the 3rd? Man, I can't wait. can't wait. It's been a long spring, and, you know, it's been really good so far. And we got a great team to compete, to go out there to compete, and I think we, we can make we can make it here. Tell me a little bit about the guys on your left and right this year. You're going to be out there. This guy is one of the best defensive center fielders in baseball. Tell me about Gerard Dyson to your right in left field and Mitch Hanniger to your left in right field. It would be a lot of fun this year. You know, have the speedy guy in the side. And, you know, we got to cover a lot of ground in Seattle. And, you know, it would be a lot of fun. You know, Seattle is huge ballpark and got a lot to cover. I hope it will be a better year than last year and, you know, to help the team may get wings. Yes, we're just talking about, you know, your energy and, and everything else. And um, is that something you've always had? Even when you first came up, you are a rookie. I mean, you know, usually as a rookie, you've got to kind of keep your mouth shut a little bit and, and be <laughs> polite and everything. Did you have that the first day you got to the big leagues? Uh, I come up in another organization. It's a little bit different, you know, different rules. But I'm glad I have the opportunity to come here in Seattle and they let me be who I am and, you know, let me be myself and enjoy the, game, the ball game. And, you know, I'm trying to have fun every time. It's a game. It's a yeah. game, you know. I want to ask you both this because I know he's been very important and been really kind of big fighters for both of you. He's a big fan of both of you. But your manager, I mean, for you, Leonis, uh, he, you know, before we knew you, he told us all about you, and he so appreciates what you bring. And, Dan, I know that what he saw last year, he was a big proponent of you. What does it mean to have that support 
behind you. For me, it's mean a lot, you know, for players, the, the confidence, the coach giving to you every single day, that's a, what you're going to bring to the field. You know, this is a 162 game, long season. Everything happened, you know, bad days, good days, and, you know, as uh, long as you stay strong in your mind, it's better result you will get in the field. What about you, Dan? What have you gotten from Scott? Uh, yeah, I think just going off of Leonis. Um, it starts with the confidence uh, that he has in us, and, um, you know, we just take it uh, right from there, and, you know, it just gives us some more confidence out on the mound or in the field to go out and do our job, and um, couldn't ask for a better skipper. And, um, you know, he, he understands the game, and like Leonis said, if you have a bad day, he's not going to come in and grill you on it. He's going to understand that you're going to come in tomorrow and be ready to work and get right back to it. So, One of the greatest days for any major league player is to finally, after all the hard work in the minor leagues, to make your major league debut. Danny and Leonis, Danny, uh, tell me about your major league debut against the Chicago White Sox. What was that like? Unbelievable experience. Uh, just starting with walking into the clubhouse and seeing guys like Felix Hernandez, Nelson Cruz, Robinson Cano, Leonis Martin. Uh, you know, growing up watching these guys, and you know, it's almost like a breathtaking moment for me. But uh, just getting the getting the call in the bullpen to warm up and asking uh, Mike Hampton who I'm going to face, and he says Melky Cabrera, Jose Abreu, and uh, Todd Frazier. <laughs> no problem. I got this, you know, Mike. Uh, I got it. Yeah, welcome <laughs> to the big league. So. But, you know, I was fortunate enough to have a clean inning, and everything went well. My family was in the stands, and uh, it was really a special moment for us. strikeout, too, right? Uh, Todd Frazier. Todd Frazier. How about yours, Leonis? Your major league debut. It was really tough. Um, It was in Boston. You know, Boston is a lot of crowd every single day. Face a veteran knuckleball guy, Tim Weifer. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Hello, Tim Wakefield, knuckleball. Great. Did you start that game or didn't no, you break? No, no, okay. Yeah, Nelly gave me one of their bats and he asked me, You want to hit? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what do you say? Just swing hard just in case you hit just, it or what? You just see the ball up and see. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, put my first swing on it and get a hit. My first can... bat. <laughs> All right. Face it okay. off of Tim Wakefield. Not too many guys could say that. Hey, Leon, is he ever going to DH again? No, I don't like that. You're a little late. We were telling Leone's stories. And they, they don't want me in the all the time. <laughs> are you hurt by that or are you okay with that? Yeah, I'm okay with that. <laughs> <laughs> Did you tell Skip I don't want to DH anymore? No, no, I like to be in the field. <laughs> I'll get something for Dan. You know, you came up talking about your debut, and that was probably a whirlwind. And then you had a really clean September and pitched really well. At the end of last year, going into the off-season, what was your mindset? Like, you wanted to go in. What were your goals? Obviously, you wanted to come in and make this team. What would you do this off-season to get to where you are now? Um, just get in the off-season, uh, just stay in the weight room and get stronger, yeah. kind of build up from the season because uh, you don't get to you know, hit it as hard during the yeah. season just to stay healthy. But uh, a lot of long toss just to keep my arm in shape and – it's a lot of maintenance. Uh, I knew that I, I wanted to stay right where I was at whenever I ended that season, and uh, I was able to do that and come in the spring, and I felt like I was in just as good a shape, if not a little bit better. So, yeah, it was just a maintenance thing for me and then uh, keep my arm healthy. Leonis, you came to camp with a, a plan, uh, both with changing some things at the plate and then also just approach, and you 
things a little different for you this year and you, you want to build off of that. How has that progressed through the spring? Uh, I'm feeling really good on play. You know, check my swing, my body stance a little bit. I went to Dominican with, with Robin a little bit and, you know, keep learning about it. And I went to the home plate to keep my plan and, you know, try to swing a stride, try to get on base, stay in my game, you know, try to create a situation for my team and try to score wrong. That's the only way we're going to get wins. Visiting with Leonis Martin and Dan Altavilla here in the uh, Cactus League report. Leonis, uh, the other day you faced Clayton Kershaw. He pitched today for the Dodgers, considered the best in the game. You hit a home run. What was it like hitting a home run off of Kershaw <laughs> about a week or so ago? I tell you what, I'm going to the home play. I don't think it was fishing. I don't think it was fishing. I'm going to fight my every single pitch and fight my bat and you know do my job. I don't I don't look at the names who's fishing. Leonis, what's it like? I mean, you talked about you went to the Dominican and you worked with Robbie. What's a day like when you're there with those guys? And I think Gina's probably there too. What? Yeah, I know I would have for a little bit, you know, in the past. And, you know, it's fun, you know, to have the little time to work with your teammate and, you know, have Robbie on my side, one of the best hitting baseball right now. And, you know, learn all little things then to become a good hitter. Who are you learning from, teammate-wise, Dan? Uh, teammate-wise, uh, I mean, it's anybody in the bullpen. Nick Vincent, uh, Shrek's a big influence on me. Um, I picked his brain a lot in the uh, bullpen last year, just uh, how he, he approaches the game and how he comes in the bullpen with his mindset, and um, especially whenever he gets the call in the eighth inning or uh, seventh inning if you got to come in and you know clean up an inning. But you know, he's just been a big influence on me so far, and no, I just I learn something new every day from those guys. Uh, most of the guys have been around the game a long time, so whether it's talking about pitch counts um, or when to throw an off-speed pitch, or you know, just um, guys hitters who've been in the game a lot, um, just ways to get them out. So anyone in the bullpen, really. Dan Altavilla, Leonis Martin. We got about a minute left. Danny, what's it like when somebody hits a well-hit ball off you in center field? You see this guy going back. And making a catch. And Leonis, what's it like to see Danny Altavilla throw that fastball and slider and striking out? Man, I love opponents. it. I, I got a <laughs> great view in center field to see all the ball go, a slider and fastball. That's nice to see that guy in, in the mound. He throws really hard. You know, he's so confident. And, you know, I believe all my team, and we've got to do a great job this year. How about you, Danny, watching him out there in center? Uh, just gives me more confidence to throw the ball over the plate. Um, you know, if, if they can put it uh, in play, you know, I have trust in these guys to track it down, even if they do square it up. Uh, we've got a really athletic outfield, and, you know, they're going to make plays for us, and I'm excited about it. Is there a different energy on this ball club? There seems to be, you know, with the guys that Jerry DePoto has brought in. We've got about 30 seconds left. Uh, tell me a little bit. What can you tell the fans in Seattle in the next 30 seconds? Um, I mean, we're excited for the season. Um, it starts with our meetings in the morning. We're having a lot of fun. Uh, we had local news guys that pick a player, and you know they do a daily report on what's going what's going on in Arizona. We got a world reporter guy. <laughs> you know, just random facts. We're keeping it light. Um, Skipper's introducing new guys to everybody, so everyone's getting really comfortable with each other, and we're having a lot of fun. We're going to have a great time this year. Leonis Martin, thanks for coming by. Dan Altavilla, thanks for stopping by. Get ready for the second half of the Cactus League Report coming your way next.
This is the Cactus League Report on 710 ESPN Seattle, 710sports.com, and mariners.com. Taking you inside Mariners Spring Training, live from the Salty Senorita in Peoria, Arizona, here's your host, the voice of the Mariners, Rick Riz. And we are getting ready for the second hour of the Cactus League Report. Again, welcome back to the Salty Senorita live here in Peoria, Arizona. Before cheering cast of thousands, there they are. But some more, yeah. Guy back there has the uh, sign. He brings out every show every year. He's got a million autographs out there. <laughs> welcome back, everybody. We're having a fun time tonight. Rick Riz along with Shannon Dreyer. Ryan Roland-Smith joining us as one of our hosts tonight. New grandpa, Kevin Kremen. How about that? He's a new grandpa. Lillian Hayes Farrell, born two days ago, eight pounds, six ounces. She's as tall as I am right now, 22 inches long, and uh, she's my goddaughter's daughter, so that makes me a grand godfather, something like that. I don't know. Somebody figure it out out there, but uh, uh, I'm in in love with this baby already. Anyway, I'm in love with this guy right here. He was one of the most lovable, likable guys we've ever had in a Mariner's uniform. Dave Niehaus named him, nicknamed him Mr. Mariner. He was the American League Rookie of the Year in 1984. He played one game at Salt Lake City. Kenny Phelps, bless his heart, got hit in the hand by a pitch from Jerry Augustine of the Milwaukee Brewers. We called up this guy by the name of Alvin Davis, and he started hitting. He didn't stop hitting. Hit uh, 27 home runs that year, 116 RBIs. And he's our guest right now because we still have him in, in the organization right now. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Mariner Alvin Davis. How you doing, buddy? I I'm love you. Yeah, how you doing? Man, it's great to have you here. We're going to keep you for a couple segments here because these folks love you, as we all do. First of all, tell the folks what you've been doing with the organization the last couple of years because it's so great to see him in a Mariners uniform, to see that number 21 on his back going to the minor league side and teaching these kids about the game of baseball. What you've been doing with this organization, A.D.? Well, my title is Special Assignment Coordinator. I don't, I don't really know what that means. I don't get very many special assignments, but <laughs> I do get to come to spring training. I love coming to Major League Camp and uh, being around the guys for a couple weeks. And then when minor league camp starts, I'll filter over to the minor league side and start working with our young guys, getting them ready to reach their full potential. And then during the season, you're... Yeah, I rove. I'll rove during yeah. the season. I'll go out a couple uh, couple weeks a month and uh, try to make it through the whole system, including the Dominican Academy. Dominican Academy, and it's kind of tough to get down there with my schedule, but uh, hopefully I'll get there this year. What would we see if we walked out on a minor league field right now? Well, hopefully you would see our uh, player development manual come to life right before your eyes. That's mm-hmm. that's our job as staff is to uh, to bring our emphasis, our focus points to life and and uh, see it on the field. And uh, I know you've talked about it a lot. You know, we control the zone. Yeah. Uh, we focus on the process. Uh, we work on the mental skills. And we throw strikes, and we swing at strikes. And so hopefully if you came down, that's what you'd see, Shannon. Um, we place a big emphasis on the tempo at which the game is played. Um, baseball can uh, can be really exciting with the, when there's energy, and it can be really boring when there's not. So mm-hmm. we try to make yeah. sure that there's energy and that the, and that the players bring that every day. One of the biggest things for you, you know, from when you play to the game now that stand out, how's the game changed in, in your opinion? Uh, you know, Ryan, the first thing that comes to mind is velocity. Yeah. And so the way we train our hitters is different. Um, if they can't hit a fastball, then that's always been true. Yeah. 
But uh, now, you know, we're talking elite-level fastballs at every level, uh, from rookie league all the way up through the major leagues. And so, you know, we were over here on the Padres' side today. With I came over with our A-ball teams, and uh, the starter on field number five was sitting between 95 and 97 miles an hour. You know, that's a guy that's slated to go to full-season A-ball. And so... We try to train and close the gap between where we train and how we compete. Is that hitting mechanics as well as mindset when it comes to like that level of velocity? Yeah, you know, of course, mechanics yeah. are important yeah. because uh, you know if your mechanics are not sound, um, it, it's a race against time yeah. when a guy's throwing that hard. Yeah. And so, if your mechanics are not sound, it takes mm-hmm. more time. So we do focus on mechanics, but we also focus on. Uh, just being on time, that's a major emphasis yeah. for us because it's hard to make up when you start late. Yeah, and what about, you know, the game now, it's all about the long ball, I feel like. You know, like the hitting for average is kind of, you know, taking a back seat. Do you train the hitters? Is, is that the philosophy too? I mean, you know, when you played in the era where guys who hit 300, there was a big emphasis on that. Mm-hmm. Now the guys hitting 240, 250 are making a lot of money because they're hitting the home runs. Yeah, and that's not something that I'll, I'll get used to, Ryan. And yeah. we won't get to it in this organization yeah. as well. We, we realize that uh, we, we draft, we sign different types of players, mm-hmm. and we develop them according to the tool sets that, they, that they've been given with. And, you know, I have this discussion from time to time with kids because, you know, they want to hit for more power. Um, because that's just a huge emphasis in the game. And, you know, we just tell them, hey, why don't we start with where you are now? Let's learn how to hit. Yeah. And then as your DNA kicks in, you might be a different player in five, six, ten years than you are now. But let's learn how to hit yeah. first. Use the tools that you have, and we'll see if power shows up. Calvin, it's interesting. We've had a lot of young players on that are in the minors in the organization. We just had Andy McKay who was on. We all know what they did in the minor leagues last year. But you were someone who was there who was responsible for coaching these players last year. What was it like at the beginning? And they come to you and, okay, we're going to have this philosophy. We're going to do this. What was the learning curve for those of you who were in charge of helping these guys get to that? Yeah, well, Shannon, I know on the hitting side, as we talked about, I think, last year, it started with the hitting summit that we had in January last year. And, you know, we knew with change uh, in leadership was going to come change in in, uh, philosophy in emphasis in the way we do things. And so those of us that were fortunate enough to remain knew that we were in for change. And it was just going to be a matter of how quickly we could adapt to the new system. Um, it was easy to fall in love with because of the emphasis of controlling the strike zone, um, which does not mean walking, but it means swinging at strikes, which is the way baseball's always been played. The best yeah. hitters. Mm-hmm. Swing and strike, except for Vladimir Guerrero. Swings and everything. He was able to hit it and yes, hit it hard. Yes, yes but yeah. there's only one of him. Each year old? Yeah, yeah, definitely. But uh, so anyway, Shannon, just coming in, starting in January, setting the foundation. Um, one of the major emphasis of the hitting summit last year was that when we left that summit, everyone was on the same page. So everyone had an opportunity to speak into the process, add to the manual, add to the, the our mechanical steps, um, and we came away, I came away with that, and we all did, came away feeling really good about where we were headed. Um, yeah. You know, closing that gap, those, those were just some of the things that I had noticed from years prior. Um, there, was, there were some years we broke camp, I didn't really know if we were ready to compete. Yeah. I didn't know if we were ready to compete against the fastball. And we did everything we could possibly to make sure we were ready last year. And it was hard. Uh, Mike Macucci, our field coordinator, told our players, he told our staff, this, this will be one of the hardest things you've ever done, and that's on purpose. And it was. Uh, there, was there was a lot of, uh, you know, time out. That's not good enough. You're late, and you need to fix it. And uh, 
But as we got closer and closer to spring training, you could tell the players were starting to love it. They were buying in, and they and when we broke camp last year, they were ready, and everything just kind of unfolded from there. Visiting with Mariners' uh, former first baseman, Alvin Davis, American League Rookie of the Year, now one of the coaches in the minor leagues. And, and Alvin, I wanted to ask you, you know, 35 years ago, you were one of those kids down there in the minor leagues, making your way, trying to figure things out. Who helped you down there in the minor leagues become the hitter and player that you eventually became? You know, Rick, I, I think about the veteran uh, core that I played with in 84 in Seattle, and, that, and it started in spring training. Your, your Al Callenses, your Gorman Thomases, your Barry Bonnells, um, your Larry Milburns. Yeah. Those guys started taking me under their wings in spring training and just giving me little pointers, showing me how to work, you know, allowing me to see how what their routine was and how they got ready to play a season and, and you know, just answered every question that I had patiently. And uh, it made a huge difference. I know the, the first start I got, you know, uh, back in April of 1984, I went to the vets. I knew the night before I was going to be in the lineup the next day. And uh, I went to Al Counts and I said, you know, Al, what should I expect? Dennis Eckersley's on the mound tomorrow. You've yeah. been facing him for years. Yeah. And he gave me a great scouting report. He said, Alvin, he said, they don't really know you because you were in college two years ago. And so they're going to stick to the basic script. They're going to throw you fastballs on the inside corner. And if you can get to it, you might stick around. If you can't, you're going back to AAA. Real simple. <laughs> <laughs> and, Be and he, ready and he for was the right. heater inside. <laughs> he was right. Got beat my first at bat and popped yeah. out. And But the second at bat, I was able Boom. to get the barrel out front and, yeah, stuck around for a while. So. When you look out at the guys today, I mean, we talked about kind of what's different, what hasn't changed. Um, gosh, you know, the love of the game. We were just talking with Leonis. Um, the, the, the he kind of hides it, doesn't he? Yeah, no, <laughs> he, he doesn't yeah. hide it at all. I, I love Leonis. He, his, uh, his personal greeting for me is, where's my hug? Oh. <laughs> it comes up, where's my hug? Oh, here's your hug. So I, I call him nephew. He calls me uncle. Yeah. He's just that kind of guy. He, he, uh, he gets in your heart. Alvin's going to hug everybody tonight before he yeah. leaves. <laughs> Thanks, Rick. That's a lot of hugs. Yeah. A lot of people here. But, um, yeah, you know, just having fun playing the game, um, that's something that has not changed. I mean, even amongst our coaching staff, we have a lot of fun in that clubhouse. Yeah. And there's kind of just an ongoing banter between a couple of our staff members. Matter of fact, the other day, sometimes I'll, I'll needle a little bit. I, <laughs> you know, I, I keep guys on their toes, right? And uh, I had noticed it had been quiet for a while. So I walked down, you know, to the over in, other end of the aisle. And I said, hey, are you two guys okay? I'm like, what are you talking about? I said, I haven't heard any banter in the last couple of days. Did you guys have a fight or something? Yeah. You know? and, uh, and sure enough, that, that got it kicked off. <laughs> that got it started. So, uh, yeah, no, that, that's one of the things that has not changed. And, uh, you know, that uh, the sense of camaraderie, which is uh, it's kind of tough. You know, there's a lot of movement in the minor league system. Yeah. And so and, and there's a lot of movement on the major league side as well. And so what Scott Service has done in trying to, to build camaraderie um, in professional yeah. sports is really, really hard because change is just a part of it. Um, so, but, but we've done a good job of building a culture, of uh, emphasizing our, to our players um, playing the game for, for a team, within the context of team. Yeah. You mentioned earlier, you know, batting average, all the things that are kind of individualistic. Um, we try to track the things that are more team-oriented, and guess what? 
Most of our players had a better year than they did before, and some yeah. of them the best year of their career, and we didn't, we never emphasized it. Yeah. These kids in the minor leagues are so fortunate to have this guy to help them out yeah. along the way. Alvin Davis, our guest, live here on the Cactus League, League Report. We're going to be back with A.D., Mr. Mariner, right after this timeout. The 2-1 pitch on the way to Davis. Swung on that belt to deep to right. Evans looks up, and this will fly, fly, fly away. Alvin Davis, welcome to the big leagues. It's 3 nothing, Mariners. Ah, yes, indeed. The great Dave Diaz with the call. Alvin Davis, his first home run of the major leagues off a fellow by the name of Dennis Eckersley of the Boston Red Sox. Alvin Davis is our guest Live from the Salty Senorita, you already talked about the scouting report that Al Cowens gave you. He said they're going to test you inside with a fastball. First time up, pop-up. Second time you were ready. So did you think, Al Cowens, thank you very much because you were able to get to that fastball and hit it out for your first home run? Every time I hear that recording, I think, Al Cowens, thank you for the scouting report. Yeah, it was not only true that night, but, I mean, really the first half of the season. You know, because yeah. I was seeing everyone for the first time, so... They were all kind of pitching me the same way, and uh, yeah. So you, you better get you better get to that fastball. Or it's it's going to be a short trip. What was it like to hear that call by Mr. Niehaus? Oh man, I miss him. Special. I one. miss him. Me yeah, too. Yeah, one of the best. Yeah, absolutely. Dave Niehaus has a very nice statue at Safeco Field. There's another nice one going up uh, first week of the season when we get there. Ken Griffey Jr., to see that go up in front of Safeco, how special is that? Uh, awesome. Awesome for uh, all of us Mariners fans, you know, Mariners family, uh, to see Junior enshrined last summer and, and now memorialized at Safeco, you know, um, rightfully and uh, well-deserved. Yeah, just uh, it was great to see him here last week. Yeah. Um, just to be, you know, he's, he's, just, he's just one of the greats. Not only one of the Mariner greats, but one of the all-time greats to ever play the game. And, so uh, I, I'm just so happy for him, really happy for him. well-deserved. Yeah, one of the things Junior talked about, he got to hit his first major league at bat in Oakland. Uh, Ken Griffey Jr. is a double off of Dave Stewart in the gap left center field. Then he went 0 for 17 the rest of the road trip, <laughs> and, he was, and he wasn't feeling good. He came back. We came back home to the kingdom to play the Chicago White Sox, and Junior always said this. He said, thank goodness for Alvin Davis, Harold Reynolds, and Dave Valley. Because his first swing in the kingdom, he hits a home run off of Eric King, opposite field, left field at the kingdom, and he gave you guys the credit. That was number one of 630. So uh, Good you, job. you really helped him yeah, a lot. Yeah, I helped, yeah. Him, I helped him a lot, right? Yeah, yeah. I didn't have much choice, though, Rick. You <laughs> his locker was right next to mine. You so. stuck with that. <laughs> That was done for a purpose. No, they, they wanted this guy next and to they Junior. they asked my permission. <laughs> yeah, that, that first year was a, a wild ride with a 19-year-old kid in the clubhouse yeah. in uniform, not, not a bad boy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> did you know right away that he was going to be who he was going to be? When did, when did you start to figure out, hey, this guy's going to be one of, I mean, turning to Ken Griffey Jr.? You know, from the draft workout, he came to the kingdom after we drafted him and worked out. And uh, I had never seen a 17, 18-year-old kid do what he did. You know, he made the kingdom look small at 18 years old, 17, whatever he was when we took him. 17. Of course, we knew him. I mean, he was was all universe, you know, baseball, America, you name it. The the son of our hero, because we all grew up watching senior play with the big red machine. And, uh, yeah, and and I tell, you know, I tell the kids from time to time and tell the staff over in player development, they'll ask me, you know, what are the things that stood out to you about Junior? And I, I said, 
you know, <clears throat> that first draft workout, Dick Williams saying, when can we get him here? You know, does he really have to go to the minor leagues? You know, well, he's 17. He probably does. Yeah. <laughs> and then, uh, you know, the, Ryan, the best secondary, the best young secondary mistake hitter I've ever seen. Wow. You know as well as I do. A lot of guys get to the major leagues. They can really hit the fastball. Yeah. But I'm telling you, junior, and I was on deck for a lot of them. If they spun it and it didn't do what it was supposed to do, it got hit hard. Yeah, and I'd right. never seen a young kid do that before. Yeah. Are there any kids that you've seen in camp that you can look at, man, this kid is going to be something? Yeah, yeah. There's a couple of them that, that jump out at you, you yeah. know. And uh, we have a lot of work to do. Yeah. You know, there's, 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 you, you got to start filling in the gaps. That's yeah. the thing about PD, you know. You know, how do we fill in the gaps to help this kid become the best version that he can at each step of the way? Yeah. So, you know. Can't, we can't project him at Safeco yet. Let's let's get him through the Midwest yeah. League. Let's yeah. get him through the Cal League. You know what needs to happen right now to help him to continue to yeah. progress and reach his full potential. But yeah, we we've got a lot of talented kids on that other side. There, you know, some kids. I mean, they played on this field here today. You know, and, yeah. and we've got some kids that can touch it and it goes. I want to go into the way back machine again. Is that okay for you folks? And I want to go back to 1984 again. Because we, we told a story before you, you came on uh, the show tonight how you were sent down to AAA Salt Lake City. And Kenny Phelps, unfortunately, was hit on the hat for Kenny Phelps. And uh, you were called up. I want to know, you're staying in the apartment and with Harold Reynolds and Dave Valley. When you got that phone call, what in the world did you think after playing one game at Salt Lake City and saying they told you you were coming to the big leagues? Who I thought called? it was an April Fool's joke. It was April 1st. We opened the season in Las Vegas. My first game in AAA, it was a one-sided game, and Las Vegas was on the, on the fat side. We were on the skinny side. And uh, after the game, I actually came out of the game. Bill Plummer was our manager, and Plum pulled me out of the game. And uh, Harold Reynolds, we got in the clubhouse, and Harold Reynolds says, you're going to the big leagues. We call it the show. He goes, you're going to the show. And I'm going, Harold, I'm not going to the show. The season just started. You know, yeah. I'm not on the roster. This is just not happening. You guys are messing with me. Yeah. So Bill Plummer calls me in the office, and he says, you know, congratulations. I got the call. You're going to Seattle. And I just kind of sat there, you know, I was waiting for the punchline. Yeah. You know, waiting wait, wait for, <laughs> for the pie in the face, whatever the Ricky yeah, Hayes yeah, is going to yeah. be, you know, first day in AAA. And he goes, no, seriously, you're going to Seattle. And I just went. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Did they explain that Kenny was hurt? Yeah, and all that, so. yeah. Plum told me, you know, Kenny. And, you know, Kenny and I are tight. We yeah. still are to this day. Yeah, you know, former guy. Sun Devils. I remember him coming back when I was at ASU, working out with us, giving us tips. You know, he's a first baseman, so we spent a lot of time together, actually, for a pro and a college guy. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, yeah, I just – I often wish that we both could have stayed in the lineup longer than we did. but. Yeah. You know, we, we got a guy named Jay Buner in that trade for Kenny going to New York. Yeah, so that it's turned out hard, well, hard yeah. to argue with that one, yeah, right? Yeah. <laughs> hey, you mentioned early on in, in the interview, uh, baseball can be exciting. When you're talking about you know, keep the game going. What are, what are some things that can make this game? We saw a great World Series last year. We saw yeah. WBC that people were really engaged with. What do you see that can take this game a step further? You know, I, I mean, I was like you. I love the WBC. Just I, I remember thinking to myself, man, it's really great to have games that have meaning in March. You know, this this, this is obvious. Yeah. This means a lot to yeah. these guys representing their country and, you know, trying to reach the, the pinnacle of that tournament. 
And uh, that was it was hard to not watch that. I would turn yeah. it on. It's the like, passion. man, i got to get up at 4.30, but still. Yeah. You know, I can't believe I'm playing. watching baseball yeah. in March. Yeah, yeah. 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 And, I, and I just think that type of energy um, in our game just means a lot. Now, as, as Leno said, it's a really, really long season. So you do have to – you have to pace yourself. Mm-hmm. I mean, that – Type of playoff energy is just—it's humanly impossible to bring right. it every yeah. night, unless you're Leon. You're exactly. <laughs> Not all of us are Leoners, but uh, but you know, there's a, there are a lot of things in the game that I think sometimes get neglected. That there is a tempo in baseball, there is momentum in baseball um, that the players can actually control. You know, when I think about. Um, what we're trying to do on player development side, you know, we're trying to train our catchers to keep the game moving. Um, you know, be ready. You know, as soon as your, your pitcher's ready to pitch, give him a sign and let's get going. Don't let that hitter get comfortable. Get in and off the field. You know, little things that uh, sometimes we take for granted that hopefully will filter up as our players filter up as well. And we'll, we'll see that uh, come to life in Safeco. You and Mark Langston will forever be intertwined because when Alvin in 84 was the American League Rookie of the Year, Mark Langston was the American League Rookie Pitcher of the Year, led the league in strikeouts, and now he's doing games on radio for the Angels, so we'll see him here in a little while. Uh, what was that like to see you know, Mark have that kind of success alongside you in 1984? I, we roomed together on the road, so, yeah, that's another way that things have changed, Ryan. Yeah, yes. roommates. <laughs> <laughs> roommates on the road. But, yeah, we roomed together on the road, both from California. Um, as we were playing together, rooming with one another, we realized our past path had crossed in baseball when we were 16-year-old playing in Colt League. Yeah, I don't know if you ever do that, Rick. Yeah, we no. were. Yeah, you know, roommates are talking about your career and where you're played and all that stuff. And, you know, yeah, I remember back in, you know, 1976, I played in the Colt League Regional down in West Covina, and Tom Bernanski was in that tournament. I'm like, Lang, I was there. <laughs> I was on the Riverside team. He's like, no way. I was on the San Jose team, you know. Are so, you wow. yeah, just, yeah, yeah. So we have a long history wow. then played together in double A. You know, we were teammates when, when Mark met his wife, you know. Yeah. So all of those things. And then 1984, just, you know, there was a lot of rookie in that room yeah. <laughs> on our road trips. Had a lot of fun together. We used to play a little bit too much Super Mario Brothers. <laughs> that, that's not a shameless uh, commercial for Nintendo, but, yeah. yeah we played, we played Stratego. <laughs> we didn't have electronics. It was Stratego. <laughs> Joe Bone was one of our pitchers, and we played Stratego. Anyway, uh, you were the first member of the Mariners Hall of Fame? Yes. Yeah, what yeah, was that yeah. like, buddy? Um, How about that? Mariners Hall of yeah. Fame, Alvin Davis. Yeah, yeah, very, very humbling, very humbling. Another, another, you know, thing that I'm thankful to, for Dave, you know, to Dave yeah. Niehaus. Henry Gonzalez, you know, Henry yeah. had a hand in that, and uh, Chuck Armstrong. Um, and then, of course, you know, the folks in our, in our front office, uh, you know, marketing Tim Heavily, Kevin Martinez, yeah, Randy Adamack, you know, just it was time, you know, and, and I, I don't know that we realized, not that, not that it was time for me to be the first one, but it was time for us in our history Celebrate to our have history. a Hall of Fame, yeah, yeah, yeah to, to, to recognize the, the special uh, players that we've had. Well, talk about special. He was special. American League Rookie of the Year. We were so happy to have you so much a part of our history and now back with the organization to help out the kids in the minor leagues. Alvin, thanks for coming by tonight. This was so much fun. I wish we had more time. Mr. Mariner, Dave Niehaus called him Mr. Mariner. Alvin Davis we will be back with more interviews with Robbie Cano right after this timeout. Here's the 1-0. 
Swung on it. Cracked to center field. It is crushed straight away. Back Smolinski at the wall. Leaps up. It is out of here. A solo bomb straight away center field. Robbie Cano, his second of the ball game. He's got 38 on the season. That is RBI number 100. Robbie, thanks a lot for being our guest here on the Cactus League Report as spring training begins to wind down. Here we are sitting in a very special section of the clubhouse, your section here with Felix and all the guys. You've been here now a couple of years. Do you feel like you're the godfather on this ball club, the way you interact with all these players, veterans, and the kids alike? Well, I don't know about the godfather, but I, I feel comfortable with everyone here. I mean, this organization, the way that um, everyone go about their business and how's everyone get along is, is pretty impressive. You make it fun for everybody. How do you feel? Because when you came back from the Classic, you came back with that cold or flu, but you had a chance to get in the lineup yesterday. Well, my energy level was a little bit down, but, um, you know, it's part of the flu. I mean, I, I hope the next few days I feel 100%. You get in the ball game yesterday, two great at-bats, uh, sacrifice fly to drive and a run, ground ball right side, move Hanniger to third. He scores on a double by Cruz. Is it that easy? Well, you know that. You know better than that. It's not easy. I know. You know, it's just more like learn, learn the game. You know, more you play, more you learn this game. And I've been in this game for so long that I'm and, – and the best thing in this game is not to be a selfish. I mean, man on second – get a chance to move him over or get a line drive. So that's what I'm trying to do. If I don't get the RBI, let's not get it. Leave it up for the guy behind you, and he's pretty good. Nelson Cruz, play the game the right way. All right, let's talk about the World Baseball Classic. Uh, of course, you start for the Dominican Republic. Number one, how much fun is that to play for your country at that time of the year, every four seasons? I mean, it's, it's a lot of fun. You get to represent your country in uh that, that, that's something that not, not everyone gets the chance to do it yeah. and be able to go there and uh, see all those fans. That's, that's amazing. Can you describe the passion, not only in the dugout or in the clubhouse, you guys had so much fun, but what it means for the fans to watch you guys who were there and also back home in the D Dominican Republic? Well, I mean, you know, the way we get along as a player, you know, guys that I'm um, just hear their names play against each other, never get a chance to be in the same clubhouse. Yeah. I mean, it's amazing the way we all get along because we all go for the same goal, help our country and uh, do it for our country. You had so many guys from different ball clubs, major league teams, and you get together to play for one club, to play for your country. How long did it take for you guys to become a team? I would say right away. I mean, we, we get, like I said, like, we get along, and as soon we, as soon we all get together, we are still, like, joking around, talking to each other. I mean, it's something that um, people don't realize how, how, how comfortable we get around each other. Right. What was it like to share that experience with Gene Segura and also Nelson Cruz as your teammates for the DR? Well, it was good this time because last, last time I, I went there by myself, so... Yeah. Now having the chance to go with Nelly and Segura, I mean, it's good to look around and see, see some of your teammates in there. When I saw you for the first time, you wore that captain's C on your jersey. Whose idea was that, and how did that make you feel? That's a teen idea, and uh, the GM and 
It's made me feel great. I mean, be able to be the captain of that group. That's something that uh, takes a lot of pride on myself. Eventually, you were eliminated by Team USA, but you did a great job defending your title that you won four years ago, 2013. For you, Robbie, you've been there before. You had the experience this year. What was the highlight for you this year? Well, the highlight was, well, I mean, was, was pretty impressive. I mean, it's kind of like you win it all. You want to go by so bad. And, uh, I mean, it's every game means a lot. So you have to go out there, get every, every, everything you got. Yeah. I mean, all your energy. And uh, it is, it's fun. You know, at the end of the day, it's fun. That's the way you have to look at it as a player. Well, congratulations. You guys did a great job. Now you're back with your ball club. 2017, I think, is going to be a heck of a year for, for you personally, for this baseball team. How much better is this ball club than last year? Jerry DePoto went out and made a lot of changes. Well, you, you, you can see the difference in the outfield. Now we got guys that can cover the outfield. Got Honiger swinging pretty good. He looks good out there, too. So we got Valencia. We got pitching. We got everything. I mean, Jerry has done a great job for this team. What are your goals at spring training? Uh, you had a great year coming off a great year last year. You were healthy. The average, the home runs, the RBIs. But watching you, what separates you, I think, from a lot of players is your defense. You make playing second base look so easy, and it's not. How, how do you do that out there at second base? Well, I just always, you know, be myself. Not let the game speed myself up. I just trying to, um, you know, come down the game and stay in my level. Not, not, not trying to do too much. Ground ball in the bottom of the nine and ground ball in the first inning for me is the same. So it's just how much pressure to put on yourself. What would you like to tell the fans back home in Seattle about this ball club? Well, we got a pretty good team and we're going to get everything we got and. We're going to try to do everything for that city. You do so much, Robbie, for not only the guys in this clubhouse, but the kids across the way. They're starting their professional careers as you did many years ago. I know you take a special concern about the young players in this organization. What, what do you tell these kids as they start off to go to wherever they're going to go, Everett or Clinton or wherever they start their baseball careers? What do you tell these kids? All I can say is work hard. Always be ready and... This game, sometimes you only get one chance. And this is the one you gotta do not let it go. Work hard, do what you have to do, and prepare yourself for break baseball. It's gonna be a fun season. Robbie, I know you're under the weather. Really appreciate you doing the interview, and best of luck the rest of the way. It's gonna be an outstanding year. Thanks, buddy. Thank you for always being so good to me. Isn't that guy special? Robinson Cano, and we sat in the clubhouse this morning to do the interview. He was not feeling well. He got in the game yesterday for the first time in about five days since he came back. So it's been about a week since he's actually played in the ball game. And, and I was so impressed. This, this guy is so good. You know, I was just kidding about is it that easy because it's not. But his first game back, Shannon and Ryan, his first at bat, and he, a runner on a third base, less than two outs, boom, sacrifice fly to center field, second at bat. And uh, Hanniger's on at second base, ground ball to the right side, and then Cruz comes up and hits an RBI double. Here's a veteran guy. I, I think this guy is putting together a Hall of Fame career, but here's a guy that understands the right way to play the game of baseball. Right out of the chute, sacrifice fly, ground ball right side, 
to uh, drive in a couple of runs. Yeah, he's a smart baseball player, and he knows that he can go out there and try and hit the home run or try and do more. But sure. if the situation calls for something else, he also knows the guy behind him can do that too, and perhaps he can move it along a little bit as well. And that was a joy to watch last year, to be honest with you. Yeah. I think we've learned a little bit more about him every year. The first year he got here, we learned a little bit about the leadership qualities that he had and then the, kind of the process that he has in getting ready. We saw him hurt. And we didn't know it. He hit it for the an double entire. Hernia. He yeah. did not know it. He played with two tears in his abdomen for over half a season. Yeah. They were like, oh, he's and slowing hit down. And hit 330. No, he wasn't slowing down. He was hurt. And lo and behold, he gets that fixed. He gets a new workout routine. And he just comes back. You know, just a monster last year, what he was able yeah. to do. But he always, it's that, that foundation. He plays the game the right way. And I think, too, he really evolved into, you mentioned that leadership role. I think last year you really saw that out of him where he took on that. I mean, he had coming in. I mean, he signs a big deal to come into Seattle, big expectations. And then he, I think he really took on what they wanted him to do, and that was be a leader last year. And playing hurt, I mean, there's been times where I've had to play hurt and everything else, and you just have that extra respect for guys when they don't talk about it, mm-hmm. they're in pain, they don't. You know, all they're worried about is finishing that season strong, and he did that, and that just gives you so much more respect for a guy like that. He showed nothing because you can usually tell. If you're spending, you know, a couple of hours in there as a reporter, you see ice where, you know, they don't normally wear it, or you see something in the the locker or they're moving a little bit. He never showed it. Never. He came from an organization that won, and they won a lot. They won a World Series with him in 2009 as a young player with the Yankees. He wants to make that happen here. He came here for a reason to sign that 10-year deal to win here, and uh, I think he is passing that along, not only to the veteran guys on this ball club, but especially to the younger guys. We're going to be back with more from the Salty Senorita here in Peoria. We're going to have an interview coming up with new Mariners shortstop Gene Segura coming up right after this time out. Pitch, swing, and this is lifted out to left field, cutting through the breeze. This is up, and it is gone out of the Berman left center field. Gene Segura. With a home run out to left, and the Mariners are on the board. It's now 7-2 to two in favor of the Angels. I'm telling you folks, you are going to love watching Gene Segura at shortstop. That was the big trade that allowed the dominoes to really fall in a lot of other trades for GM Jerry DePoto. Gene Segura last year with the Arizona Diamondbacks had an incredible season, hit 319, 20 home runs, 64 RBIs, 41 doubles, led the National League in base hits with 203, and he also stole 33 bases. And now we can call him our own. He's a starting shortstop for the Seattle Mariners after that big trade in which the Mariners also acquired Mitch Hanniger in that deal. Well, earlier today, our very own Aaron Goldsmith caught up with the newest Mariner shortstop, Gene Segura. Well, Gene, we're about to get close to wrapping up here in spring training. I know you've been gone for a while with the WBC and Team Dominican Republic, but overall, what, what have been your first impressions of your first Mariners spring training? Uh, you know, the people here, changes, Grandford office, uh, Jerry, Scott, I think everybody sees me here like a brother, and that was my first impression. I came here, you know, see all those guys, you know, uh, to be backing at each other is pretty good. So General Manager Jerry DePoto at one point in your very early 20s actually traded you, and now he has traded for you. What was that first conversation with, between you and Jerry like once he acquired you back to now rejoin the Mariners? Uh, I was, you know, he called me and told me, hey, uh, we trade you. And, <laughs> I mean, we, we're happy, we're glad to have you. I think it's going to be uh, 
a good opportunity to, for me and, and part of my family to be a Mariners. And I think we go from there. And I think just, uh, it's a good opportunity to me. I don't know, be, uh, to really be in the team that's got me, comp- you know, competitive to the playoff and, and, and trying to get, uh, uh, far enough, you know, to get to, to the championship or, or whatever we, we, we gone to, but, you know, as a player, you always want to be in that situation. I mean, you know, look at how many, how many players, how many people have a lot of years in the big league can't get to there and you can't win anything about it. Uh, and for me, just now I'm, I'm thinking, uh, a different way. I'm thinking, I'm, I mean, I'm tired of lose. I want to win and, and I'm going to contribute to the best I can to, to bring, uh, a lot of win to this ball club. Safe to say that that's the mentality overall in this clubhouse this time of year, isn't it? This is an organization that has been built to play in October. Uh, absolutely. You know, we got some great pitcher staff. We got some great offensive guy. You know, and like you say, we're building to to go to the playoff and and, and win to the World Series. And that's our goal here in, in the clubhouse. And, and that's how we, we want to play. We have to play one game at a time, like his, like his game seven in the World Series. It's like, you know, it's it's gonna take day by day, game by game, you know, situation by situation. But in the end of the year, uh, if we play like we want to be uh, every day, and situation by situation, in the end of the year we're gonna be in the playoff. For you, a fantastic season last year with Arizona. A couple of things that really stand out. You never had a lull. You know, a lot of times you'll see a guy at the end of the season, his numbers are great, but it's because he had one exceptionally good month, which made up for a subpar month. For you, you were as steady as could be all season long. How were you able to do that? I have a mentality, you know. Uh, my mentality, when every time when I tip, when I step to the field, it was I'm going to do something. You know, even in hitting, defending, running, uh, you know, whatever. But I'm gonna do something that, that helped to the ball club uh, with some ball games and, and have fun, you know. As a young age, a lot of people, you know, when, when they're struggling, uh, they they think about it too much. They wait it so much. I mean, hitting is not it's not easy to do, you know. It's it's hard to do. But in the end of the year, if you uh, be there every day, competitive, and, and give it some good or bad, and give it some attitude in the bus, you know, it, it take care of itself. I mean, it, it was happening to me every time that I stepped on the play. It was like interest okay, I want to hit, I want to hit. Even, at, you know, I go an hour strike out, whatever. My days are bad, I just, you know, forget about it that I do it before. But my days are bad, I go there and compete and have fun. And, and, and it worked for me because, you know, like you mentioned, I mean, it was every month consistently. And, I mean, I feel, I, I feel proud of what we did last year. And... Now I have to keep moving forward and, and, and show, show them and show uh, the miners that, that, that kind of play the trade. You're coming off career highs in nearly every offensive category, and there was a lot made of some adjustments that you made at the plate last year, specifically with your hand positioning. Can you tell us exactly what you did and the results that you saw? I mean, I changed my hand uh, a little bit down, uh, close to my chest, because uh, it was easy to me to get through, through the baseball. Because uh, it was a couple of years ago, I had my hands up, like uh, below my shoulder, and every time that I attack to the ball, I drop it down and I drop it up again. So what I did is just lower my hand down, so I don't I don't have to drop 
uh, down, down, up again. So I only drop up and get through the baseball. It gave me some, some most consistent bit, uh, a swing, uh, power, and, 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 you know, more consistent hitter. And finally, Gene, can you tell us the joy that you have when you're able to turn a double play with Robinson Cano? Uh, it's fun, you know. It's like it's like a dream come true when you got when you got a guy like that. You always want to be next to him. You always want to turn a double play because you know it's gonna be nice. His moves that you can see it at baseball, so it's gonna be fun. Gene, we're so excited to have you here in Seattle. Thank you so much for the time. All right, thank you. Aaron Goldsmith's interview with uh, Mariners starting shortstop Gene Segura. You're going to love watching him play. I'll tell you what, uh, he's had an outstanding spring. You can see Shannon and Ryan, Roland Smith, uh, how he was able to collect over 200 hits last year. He uses foul line to foul line. This guy can hit. He can play shortstop. Yeah, I mean, just a massively dynamic player. You know, I was so excited when I saw this trade. And, you know, just on the other end of that, Taiwan Walker going over to – I wish him all the best. But yeah. – um, I feel like we didn't give up too much to get a guy who could be an absolute superstar. And I remember reading somewhere um, on the in the um, press with the D-backs, and they talked about, well, you know, he won't be able to replicate what he did last year. I don't think he has to really replicate what he did last year. He, this guy is going to put up numbers wherever he goes, and you know, he is adding so much to this lineup that's already already stacked. And it was a massive move. I was so excited when I saw it. He's somebody that I talked to, Casey Candale, about. I mentioned that earlier. Talked to him about a number of players. I said, just some words on Gene Segura. And he said he loves to play baseball. Yeah. And, and we saw that. And it was uh, just such a thrill to see him for the first time, one of those guys that you read about all off season. You read about the numbers. You know what he is on paper. And then he shows up in camp. And the thing that really jumped out at me is on day one, probably, and day two, definitely, it looked like he'd been playing year-round. He did not look like a player that was coming yeah. in for spring training. He looked like a, it could have been the middle of the season, which was just remarkable. Yeah. And a lot of that was the work that was put in, again, with Robinson Cano uh, yeah. and some yeah. of Leonis Martin when he came in and whoever else showed up on that field <laughs> in the winter. But I, I thought uh, once that trade went down, uh, Jerry DePoto said that he got about 50 thumbs up from uh, Robbie Cano hmm. that when they acquired uh, Gene Segura because uh, this guy was so talented. And what a year last year just solidifies that offense and uh, the defense. But the, the aspect I really like about this ball club this year is the speed. I go back to the ability to steal bases. Not only to steal bases, but take extra bases on wild pitches. We saw that in the game. I think it was Kansas City. Three wild pitches, boom. Guys took three extra bases. And Gene Segura allows you to do that in that number two spot, you know, right behind uh, Gerard Dyson there. Yeah, you know, speed just disrupts a lot of things, you know. And speed to me, it, it just adds up the little things. And, and you said it too. When you've got guys who can run either end of the, you know, uh, Robbie, Nelson Cruz, and then Kyle Seager in the middle, as a pitcher, when, you, when you've got that speed on second base and you've got to face a guy like Nelson Cruz yeah. up to hit, that can be tough. And that, that pitch quality just goes down and down every time when you've got guys who can run. So that makes a huge, huge effect on it. Yeah, they've only got him for two years right now, but I've got a, a feeling that if this year goes well, he yeah. could be here for a very, very long time. Exactly. I think the fans are going to love watching him play. This is going to be an exciting year. I mean, we're getting ready to wrap things up right now. The team has a day off tomorrow, well-deserved day off, and two more games left against the Colorado Rockies. But I think they are ready to break camp 
and get going. And the king, man, he's been the king, Shannon, the last couple of days, Felix Hernandez. He's ready to go on opening day, April the 3rd in Houston. Might be the best thing we've seen in spring training. Certainly one of the most important things. Yeah, exactly. It's been a lot of fun. Shannon Dreyer, Ryan Roland-Smith, thank you so much for joining us here on the uh, show tonight, our final edition of the Cactus League Report. New grandpa, Kevin Kremen, and his wife, Margaret, grandparents for the first time. Welcome to the world, Lillian Hayes. Farrell, 8 pounds, 6 ounces, 22 inches in length. And, uh, oh, my goodness, uh, <laughs> Colleen Kremen, I love you, my sweetheart, my goddaughter, and Mike Farrell. i uh, tell you what, we had a great time tonight, and uh, it's about time to start the season in about four days now from now when we get to uh, Houston, Texas. All right, thanks to Dan Altavilla, Leonis Martin, Mr. Mariner Alvin Davis was here talking about Mariner's history. So much fun. We will see you on the radio on Friday night at 6.30 where the Mariners take on the Colorado Rockies. So long, everybody, from Peoria. Can it, Matt. See you later. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.